Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. We have the people. This is Eric Samoana. This is Priscilla Lima. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year, I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Netline with Marty. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Rouché. I have great thighs. It's The Netline right now. <laughs> I like when Casey Patterson brings us in like that. Boom, boom. I feel good about that. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Net Live. Kevin Barnett sitting in the home court here on May 14th, along with Dustin Aval. Special uh, birthday edition. Happy That's birthday. Yeah, I didn't even say it when I came in. Happy birthday today is Barney's birthday. It actually is a birthday edition. This isn't just some sort of marketing ploy for us to get another <laughs> another hour and a half of your time. That's right. And for those who thought that this was the birthday of the Net Live, no. it is not the birthday of the Net Live. That's somewhere around January. I don't know the exact date. We'd have to go back to somehow uncover the lost scrolls of the Net Live or something. If they exist. Yeah, I think it's uh, by the Dead Sea, you know, the the, <laughs> the Sultan Sea. Maybe it's the Sultan Sea out out east of Palm Springs. Yeah, they went down in the uh in the in the fire back in the uh, the mausoleum or the what library was that with the Dead Sea Scrolls and all that every, Library of Alexandria yeah there you go yeah. every every national treasure movie and and re- repeated type uh, topic or based on so- finding something that was supposed to be in the Library of Alexandria right well yeah it's papyrus great. it's written on papyrus somewhere it's always fantastic when uh, the the lords of the universe or the evil kings of the, of the world at the time burn the entire knowledge of the world yeah. Good. Easy to rewrite history if you burned the entire version of history. The winners get to rewrite history. That's the way it goes. I've been watching Game of Thrones lately, by the way. Have you? Oh, if you don't watch Game of Thrones, you are missing out. I tried to get into it a little bit. Is it kind of is it kind of a nerd show? Is it a little bit of like a little bit dorky? Kind of. Because <laughs> there's never that much sex in a nerd show. That's true. You know, there's. There's just never that much debauchery. Do you think, I always wonder this, do you think when the guys are creating something like that, that they know what they're doing? Like, they're just, we're going to throw a full-on love scene in here and it's going to be like, sort of like porn a little bit right now. Well, it's on HBO, that's how that happens. And then we'll go to the next scene. Like, like maybe they have, like, they're writing the storyboard out and they, okay, we got this gap right here in the middle. What are we going to do? Like, let's just go gratuitous sex scene and then we'll (laughs) jump to the next, to the next part of the story. I can't figure out this transition. Right, exactly. Insert sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's the way it goes. I don't know. I'm, I'm not in Hollywood per se. Great, more air quotes. Yeah, per se. Yeah, making a reappearance. This is Hollywood-like, obviously, though, the home court. Gorgeous day. Since uh it was supposed to be nice this weekend, never cleared up until about Sunday night at six o'clock or six thirty. If you went inland about three yeah. miles, I went to my in laws place on the back of P V. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Eighty five degrees, sunny, and beautiful at the pool. It was sixty five and cloudy here. Never Not got good. nice till Sunday evening. Right. Since Sunday evening, it's been gorgeous out here. 
Yeah. So sorry about that for everybody in an air-conditioned office. As, as April Ross's uh, uh, tweet said yesterday, she was complaining a little bit, I mean tongue-in-cheek, but because it was so hot on the beach practicing that she was fiending for an air-conditioned office to be sitting there and cool. Her little toesies were getting burned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, well, that's happening. Well, we appreciate you joining us here for the Net Live. Just the opportunity. We didn't think we were going to have a show because things were happening uh, schedule-wise, but uh, Dustin and I managed to uh, bring one together. We'll have Jay Hasek calling in about 10 o'clock. He's going to give us kind of the rundown. I know we went through it briefly last week. The men's national team roster for World League. We want to go through that in a little more uh in-depth way and give you some more information on some of those young players that you're going to see because it's going to be uh, a good summer and this is education for me as well i will be seeing new players that we have not seen at the national team level and players that were i guess good in college and some that have been good overseas for the last couple of years we'll go through our usual beach volleyball stuff here i just looking at uh bvb info Dustin, and checking out uh, Today in Beach Volleyball History, which I Ooh. I haven't checked out in a while. We used to go through this quite a bit. In 89, Sinjin Smith and Randy Stoklos win the AVP Miller Lite Dallas-Fort Worth Open. 99th win for Sinjin, 75th win for Stoklos, and the 74th as a team. So that begs the question, who question? got the other win with Randy Stoklos? I guess I'd have to click on his name here on the comprehensive BVB info. Oh, so out of his first... 75 wins, 74 was with Sinjin. Who won the other one? Who won the other one? I mean, exactly. Who was his partner in the other win? Good guesses without knowing anything would be people like Karch. Ludies. Ludies, maybe. Uh, no, I don't know if play they played right. together. I don't know. Names like that. Yeah, but, I mean, going back, that's an 89. He's already won 70, 75, and he was 20 or so, already winning that many on the beach. So go back to those. Those big guys, you know, maybe even to the old older generation, the Jim Manguses, Greg Lees. There you go. Where? Yeah. You just got it. I got it? Yep. Which one? Jim Mangus. Mangus. Mango. Manhattan Beach with Jim Mangus. Not a bad first one to win. That was in 1981. Wow. August of 81, the Parks and Recreation Tour. Yeah, the, the sponsors I always find are really amusing in the today in beach volleyball history if you scroll down a little further on that same bvb info toolbar uh ack and karch won the 1995 avp 1800 collect san diego open so today we're having difficulties finding title sponsors for the tour in 1995 1800 collect sponsored the san diego open it was the 105th win for karch and the second for the team 105th win for karch yeah Whew. Karch is going to be, uh, speaking of the national team, as you were earlier, I did see that there are a couple of women's scrimmages around town, there around are. Southern California, in the next few weeks. And so, you know, maybe you can hit up Karch for some tickets and hang out. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> we, fun. We already got a chance to hang out at the dinner for the men's NCAAs. So Karch and I definitely hanging out these days. Yeah, the uh, just to follow through, it looks like this Friday, which is the 17th, at Santa Monica High School, there's going to be it's just an internal scrimmage, I believe, between the red team. blue, they red call blue, it. red blue between the team at seven o'clock, Santa Monica High School, and then on next Friday, the 24th, at Windward School, which is also right there in the Santa Monica area, and then in Orange County, May 31st, the following Friday, Irvine Valley College, all matches at 7 p.m. and there is ticket information online, but I believe it's about twenty dollars 
for adults, either online or at the door. So, Man, 7 p.m. on a Friday in Santa Monica. Anyone been to West L.A.? Yeah. Leave about 4 o'clock if you want to make the match. Yeah, take the coast wherever you're going. <laughs> no, that's good. I, I actually love that they're up here in L.A. because yeah, normally when they've been scrimmaging, never. it's way down south, San Juan, Capistrano, yeah. or Irvine, or, or wherever. It's good to see them up here in Los Angeles. Hopefully people turn out to come and watch those matches. We always talk about the men's national team, I know, because you're more familiar with them. Is the, is the women's team have as much turnover? Do we know yet? You know, I think why we haven't talked about a lot about the women's team is we haven't had a lot of information about their roster and who's coming back, who's not. The reason the men's national team has come up so much is that they have a World League roster. They have to put that out. The Grand Prix doesn't happen for a little while on the women's side. Okay. So they have these red-blue scrimmages. They have, I believe it's Japan coming to town. Yeah. If uh, if yep. I saw correctly here, yeah, so that's J- right. Japan will come in for some scrimmages. So uh, there's some other stuff happening with the women's team, but the big stuff doesn't happen until later in the summer. And the women's team, honestly, my problem with them is that they have such a talented gym. Yeah. They have an unbelievable number of players that honestly could contribute uh, to that squad now senior team. When we go through the men's team, you'll hear names that you go, oh, I'm not sure. This is kind of their first chance with the senior team. There are so many women that have substantial playing experience with that team, including Grand Prix last year when they took the entire B team to win the event. Wow. That uh, that sounds impressive. Yeah. The, I've never <laughs> seen a more talented gym uh, ever in anyone's, in, in any USA era than the USA women had last summer. They have a, a ridiculous amount of talent, and it will be interesting to see who decides to take a little time off. Does Logan Tom take a little time off, or does she come back? Uh, Jordan Larson, she, I imagine she'll be right back. Uh, she's a steady force there at the outside. Destiny Hooker, now pregnant, out for the summer. Really? Will not be participating this summer. But it's still all about the Olympics, really. Yeah, it's I mean, four years from now. Yeah. They're, this first year is always an interesting year. Training, get to know the team, whatever. New, new opportunities for players. New coach. New coach. Also. Yeah. We, and, and there's been new a... Coaching staff, I guess. There's been a whole thread talking about Karch on, on Volley, Talk. Volley Talk. and Volley Talk. And, and it's, some of the things that people have been saying are interesting, but some of the stuff's just kind of funny. Uh, well, when he was under Hugh, how much did, did Hugh just benefit from Karch? Like, okay, come on. Guy with his first coaching job yeah, versus the guy who already Vice, won a gold medal. Vice versa, I think, maybe Yeah, maybe bit. maybe think about that. But yeah. uh, Karch has had some fantastic mentors, Doug Beal, Marv Dunphy, and now Hugh McCutcheon. And, of course, Karch's own time spent on the beach having to dissect the game for himself. Yep. Undoubtedly, when you talk to Karch, he's very cerebral, and he's he's very in tune with the game. There's there's no question the man has absolute knowledge of the game. But being able to translate that into every day in practice Doesn't is something happen. he worked on for four years Yeah, with good results yeah. from all the, the women I spoke to. Uh, and the next thing is you have to be in a leadership position for that group and also for your staff. You are the leader of those two groups. I'm interested to see how that works out. Well, you can never question his uh, qualifications. I mean, you, you could, could have four years ago. Right. To, to have that job, you could have four years ago. But once, speaking of the mentors that he's had and the uh, just the information that he has to pull on or from, I mean, if you look at those teams that he played with, right, 
in 84 and 88, all, so many of those guys have become coaches at so many different levels. Yes. His, his teammates, right? I mean, it just, it's just endless. So the information that he has to draw from in the, the network, obviously. Well, I think Ludies is in the college game. Yep. Stork is in the college game. Stork is in the college game. Powers was in the college game. <laughs> First-hand experience. <laughs> you want to you wanna keep going down that road, or nah. shall we make a left turn? Nah, let's turn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's some guys, and, and I know Karch, who knows how much he'll talk to Hugh, but he yeah. certainly has taken a lot of information in over four years and, and made notes. And uh, I, I just think it's going to be an interesting ride to watch how that situation develops, watch how Karch builds those teams, watch how – because – because playing beach volleyball with your partner and trying to find the right partner in the right situation is far different than, okay, now you have a gym of, as we just said, the, perhaps the most talented gym ever last year, but this year another incredibly talented gym, 20-plus players that could be on your team, and you have to choose 12 or 14, depending upon the tournament. And you have to choose them not only on their playing ability, but you also have to choose them based on how they get along, how they create a team, all those team dynamics, you have to you have to manage all that stuff. That's a lot more than choosing your partner for beach. Yeah, that's a lot more than being an individually great player. That's a lot more than even inspiring your teammates through leadership on the floor. Any of those kinds of things. It's none of that translates necessarily to how do you construct a group of people to be successful. It's really interesting because in in our time, the last few years, we I don't think we've seen uh, people go from the beach back to the indoor game like we have with Matt Furbringer now and and Karch I guess as well. Good point. Um, I guess Karch has been in back a little bit longer, which is with his assistant ships and that sort of thing. But um, in the past, I don't think we've really seen many. It's usually the opposite, right? Where where guys like Karch in his playing career, like John Hyden, will have you know indoor time and and relative success and whatever you know Lambert, all those guys. And then they go to the beach, and then they end up retiring or or doing something else, as opposed to going the other direction. So uh, it's interesting to see see what's going on now. Back to the birthday edition. Today is oh, your birthday. Yeah. Thirty nine. Are we allowed to say that? Thirty nine. Where did you see yourself? Speaking of these these roads that all these guys are taking, <laughs> you know, ten years ago. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Married. 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 Yep, one kid. One kid playing. Playing. Hurt. Hurt. At the end. Okay, so that was at the end. Did you know? You know the the writing was on the wall. You there was something else to be done. I was almost in that space, but I was still working hard to get back. Twenty nine is young. I know. Thirty nine is not. Well, is still thirty nine is young when you're forty nine. Forty is the new thirty. <laughs> Just remember that forty is the new thirty. Well, it's, it, it, you listen to people who are say sixty, and they go, "Man, I, I just don't know how good I had it at." 40. Yeah. It's all relative, huh? Yeah, it's all relative. Okay. Yeah, where did I see myself? I, I think I said I said this during the NCAA banquet. I wasn't going to be a lifer. In volleyball. Right. Yeah. How's that going? <laughs> <laughs> it's not over yet. You still got time to get out. I still, I still have life in me. Yeah. I can get away. You still got time. But... Uh, <sighs> You know, and I think the reason I had said that at the time was that there was this pervasive attitude on the national team to hate USA Volleyball and hate your job. 
And there were certain members of that team, and the way that team was functioning, and bringing this back to team dynamics, mm-hmm. the team dynamic of that team through 2000 just sucked. Sucked. And I got... Ninth? Huh? Ninth in 2000? 11th. 11th. And I got I got selected to do it as much as anyone. I've said that on the show before, but I was subject to my environment. Shouldn't have been, but looking back, certainly was. And the team dynamics of that group, it was it was cool to hate USA Volleyball. It was a difficult time for USA Volleyball. They were having a hard time paying anybody money. Overseas, the money had collapsed. Guys went from making three hundred grand to making sixty grand, mm. and uh, it just wasn't it wasn't a great situation. And I think I got sucked into that. And that's the time when I was saying I, I'm not going to be a lifer. I'm going to you know be done with this and and move on to something be else done. because there wasn't there wasn't a lot to be excited about. But I think in the intervening four years between 2000 and 2004, especially the last two, I, I got excited about volleyball again. Even even though I was battling the injury issues and stuff, I, I got excited about volleyball. I got excited about my teammates and, and the way we were playing and what we were doing and being in the gym every day, and, and that became fun. And, of course, I've now transitioned into some other way to stay involved with the sport Yeah. from events to TV to this show to all kinds of different things where I stay in touch, ran camps. and But not beach. No, well, well no, it didn't no exist. Collegiate, no collegiate beach championships, though. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. You can't out. participate in those. No, because McGee took that job out from under me, just <laughs> snatched it. He just came back. He's given me so many, and now he came back and took one. He just hangs back and, and just deals with what he wants to now. He's a basketball guy. I don't even know what he knows about volleyball. If that's what he wants, he just takes it. He doesn't even know anything about volleyball, and he's back taking my jobs. Yeah. I saw their uh, – speaking of the beach competitions, we talked a little bit you know, a few weeks ago on the big controversial show, uh, and we talked about the high school ranks, and they just had the championships this week. They call it the IBVL, I think, Interscholastic Beach Volleyball League. So it's at okay. CIF, essentially, I yeah. believe, at the, on the beach level, and they had the championships on Saturday at the Annenberg Beach House in Santa Monica – Maricosta High School, victorious. Thank you very much, alma mater. Shocker. Beating Valencia. So Valencia in the final. Shocking that Valencia would be in there. Yeah. Valencia up by Magic Mountain. Yeah, familiar names in terms of in the in the finals like Redondo, uh, Huntington Beach, yeah. Marymount. All those make more sense than Valencia. Right. Dominique Dodd on the on the Redondo Union team, by the way. Good good genes there on the beach. Oh, just to finish my thought for a moment yeah, uh, on okay. the lifer issue. Yeah. But I, think I said at the banquet, I said, I, I stay here because I like the people. Turns out there's a bunch of pretty good people in the sport. Yeah. And that's why you why stay I anywhere, stay. right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's why I live here in Southern California. Certainly isn't the cost of living. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of guys on, on the indoor team switching gears that are now done with their competition abroad, right? They just finished all yep. their – I know we talked about Reed and um, Brooke coming back from Turkey and Kevin Hansen a couple weeks ago, and that, and that there were a lot more people in the gym. We talked with Matt Furbringer about that. Either on air or I saw him at the Final Four, talked a little bit about how they were having their first full practice. They, can, they considered it their full practice, but he still had some key contributors that were abroad in Italy, Russia, maybe some of the other places that I don't know about. And uh, they might have their own scrimmage coming up as well, right? They do. It happens on May 25th. That'll be at 7 p.m. This is at J. Sarah Pavilion at J. Sarah Catholic High School in San Juan. Again, way down Juan. south, San Juan Capistrano. So if you're in the San Diego area or the Orange County area, you're probably closer than us right now. 
But 7 p.m. on May 25th, and uh, what day would that be? Today's the 14th? Saturday. That sounds right. So an opportunity for you to see the men's team. Uh, U.S. middle blocker Max Holt is back. His team finished second in the Italian championship. It looks like uh, Max was playing with Poppy on the outside. Poppy still at 41 years old playing in the Italian league. Simply amazing. Poppy. And is that his real name, or do they just call him that because he's 41? Samuel Poppy. Oh. That's his real name. I, feel like, I felt like because he's, you know, Poppy. Hey, Poppy! Yeah, he's 41 years old, still playing. You should call him Poppy. Instead of peeing on couches? Yeah. <laughs> Seinfeld reference? Yeah, good one, too. U.S. hitter uh, Matt Anderson actually finished third with Zenit Kazan. Is that Reed's old team? Uh, he did play for Kazan. Oh, no, did he play for Kazan? I think he may have played one year with uh, with Clay and Loy yeah. a couple years ago. At yeah. that, that was the same club? Yeah. Apparently they're big on Americans. Yeah, they are. I think uh actually Dave Lee, I believe, was there as well, unless he was in He's good. Yeah, unless he was uh still in Novosibirsk, but I'm pretty sure Anderson and Lee were played together. four man a couple summers ago against Dave Lee on the beach. Yeah. And uh just messing around type type competition in the summer, summer night type of thing. And I was matched up opposite him on the other side of the net in the middle. Yeah, that's not very fun. It was you, you got blocked a lot, didn't I you? Got blocked so many times. Not even trying to hit her. I mean, just take a swing and not even think about where it's going. And most of the time, it ended up back in my face. He's really good. That was two years ago. That was before the Olympics, where I thought he had a, a pretty good tournament as well. I don't see Dave Lee in here, so maybe he was playing for uh, another Russian club there. Of course, this will all come out in the research eventually for me. Yeah. BJ said he only played in Champions League matches for them. Oh, that, and that's why I had seen his name. Okay. Makes perfect sense. Thank you, BJ Evans. Yeah, a lot of that, that's been happening lately. A, a lot of guys have been getting deals where they're playing just Champions League. Ryan Millar had one last year. You can do that? Yeah, because you have a bigger uh, or a larger number of foreigners allowed oh. in Champions League than in many of these leagues. So you can have more foreigners on your roster. Is there a rule like if you played for another team in that league, you can't play for that team, for that, for a different team in the Champions League? Or is oh, it, no, is you, it you can't do that. You can't be signed for the... But is it a different tournament because it's Champions League? It is a different tournament. It has different rules. So but you I don't be, think you can be on, be on say, Nova Sibirsk in the regular season and be on Kazan for Champions League. I don't, you can't. I've never you seen be, that. You have to be abroad. No one's tried that. Out of country. I think you can only have one team per year, unless your rights are sold or you're released or whatever. Yeah. But Matt Anderson played on that team, and you know who he played for? Vladimir Alekno. I don't know who that is. Gold medalist coach for Russia. Oh. Huh. Pretty good pretty good coach, I guess. Uh yeah. Pretty uh pretty big coach. About six foot four or go about two seventy, two eighty. Lineman. Yeah, he's a big dude. So uh get your World League tickets as well. Remember the US men's team will be in action. They will play against Argentina June seventh and eighth at the Charles Cook Arena in Wichita, Kansas. And then we'll play France on June fourteenth and fifteenth at the Tulsa Convention Center. And then in Reno, it'll be in Reno to play Bulgaria the 28th and 29th of Is that the June, closest? And that'll be Reno Event Center in Reno. Is that the closest they get to us? Closest to Southern California will be Reno. That is June 28th and 29th. I will be there broadcasting those events unless Geeter gets the job. <laughs> Who do you broadcast? Where is it broadcast? I, you know, I don't even know where it's on this year. I haven't heard yet. I have not heard where it's going to be on. But you know that you'll be there. Well, BJ says uh, Vladimir Alekno resigned due to the stress. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, hmm. or, or the fact that his heart may be exploding if he's six four two seventy. It could be. 
No, no Hoffman Estates, Brian. Sorry, bud. NBC Sports Network and Universal Sports is what BJ says. That's good. NBC Sports Network is a big upgrade. That's a big upgrade if we're there from uh, being on the Ocho or wherever else <laughs> we've been. We've been on two. We were on ESPN2 years ago. Yeah. That was that was one year where, hey, people found it. No, ESPN2 Randomly, just, just shows would find it. collegiate lacrosse and bowling now. No, they don't show. It's, it's pretty bad. I mean, the stuff that you find on there is pretty bad. The fact that there's no volleyball and that there's this other stuff. I mean, they didn't even broadcast the Final Four games. Only the championship. Only the championship. Semifinals yeah. were on the internet. Yeah, not yeah. not uh, not good. Disappointing. Oh, here's the TV schedule. Thank you, BJ. Look at BJ helping me out. Wow. Helping me uh, learn more about my... About job. what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, about where I will be. There, there you is. go. NBC wow, Sports look at all that stuff. I think I get those channels, too. Amazing. Yeah, NBC Sports Network. People might find it there. The thing about ESPN2 is that so often it's located next to the flagship, ESPN1. Yeah on uh, the dial, and so people would flip to it. Oh, it's on two, and they would find it. I had random people doing that. We'll see if that works out for NBC Sports Network, of course, the former Versus and former OLN. Mm. That is NBC Sports Network now. Okay. What else is going on? Boy, that's a fine question. I don't know. NBA playoffs in full effect. NHL playoffs. Why can't volleyball have an exciting... As exciting a, a, a matchup like Game 7 of NHL playoffs. Did you see the Bruins game last night? Or I hear was about just, it? I was just hearing about it, that the Bruins were down by four goals. Three goals. Three goals. In the third period. So the last, the last period for you non-hockey fans. They were down by three goals in Game 7, which would be the elimination game. They stormed all the way back, tied it with less than a minute left or a minute and a half left, something like that, and then won in overtime, sending the Maple Leafs home and ending their season and the Bruins going on to the next round. Unbelievable. I don't watch regular season hockey, but I do watch playoff hockey. It's crazy. I mean, baseball, you've got baseball season, but it's so long and we're just in May. So it's like, I hardly even pay attention. I check out the games and the standings, but eh, whatever. Talk to me in October. There's playoffs on for basketball tonight. You got the Pacers game. You got the Warriors that are, uh, that are, uh, uh, you know, kind of the upstart, especially in California, the only California team. They're exciting. They got the best shooting backcourt in the in the league. They got Mark in Jackson. In the history of the game, if you look at the some people. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting. It's fun. Playoffs. And then you got baseball. That's happening. But you got Tiger this weekend, Tiger and Sergio. Tiger won. Yeah. Did you see that? Sergio, complete know. meltdown. Again. So on Saturday, Sergio and Tiger played together, and on the second hole – Sergio allegedly was in his backswing, and Tiger grabbed. Tiger was like off the fairway, so couldn't see Sergio. Grabbed his club out of his bag. Tiger did. So yeah. Sergio's shooting. Tiger's grabbing his club out of his bag, and the crowd cheers because he's got a bigger gallery. Because they're all excited that he's going to go for the green. They're excited he's pulling his club out of his so bag. So they get all wow. excited, and Sergio shanks his shot and like looks over, like, "What are you doing, bro?" Etiquette makes a statement after the round saying you got to know where what's going on. And, you know, he's always like that. And we, we don't like each other and that sort of thing. They, the weirdest part was they had to finish their round on Sunday morning because they got canceled on Saturday yeah. afternoon due to weather. So then they go into Sunday and Sergio's in the final group. They're tied with tied with Tiger. Sergio and Tiger, I believe are tied. Tiger's on 18. Sergio's on 17. This is the TBC at Sawgrass in Florida, the famous par three Island green. 
okay. that everybody's seen. You, you, yes, you don't know I've what I'm it. talking about. You know when you see it. First shot, so, so Sergio is on 17. They're tied. And Sergio hits first shot in the water. Retees. He's got a choice to retee or hit it from the drop area. Retees it up. Hits the second shot in the water, which is actually his third shot because of the because of the penalty. Yeah. So now he's hitting his fifth shot. Puts it on the green. Two putts for a seven. Oh. Quadruple bogey. Oh. Then double bogeys on 18. So in two two uh nine two hole no eighteen Five? was par yeah so two two holes the last two holes Sergio was in contention went from in contention and then threw two holes with six over lost t- Tiger won everybody just said Tiger won because he just didn't give it away he he's just so solid and shot seventy which is only you know one or two under par but when Sergio Ser- meltdown just complete meltdown when Sergio was coming up like his first one or two years didn't he have a similar meltdown at some he event? has he has a lot of meltdowns. Oh, okay. So he just can't handle the pressure. That's the that's the knock on him. Yeah. That's the, that's his mo. He's never won a major, and uh, and and he always gets close. And people people say he's mentally. Is, is there a comparable volleyball player? I don't know. You'd probably know better than I would. I'm trying to think of a. Did Furbringer Jennings ever qualify for that kind of thing? As far as the, their finals, they made what seven finals seven, before they won. Yeah, but they but they won. They eventually did win. Yeah. And they won some more. Yeah, and then they, and then they for, sort of broke through, right? Okay. So I maybe, feel it. So maybe that's not the same because Sergio continues to. Yeah, still has. Even won. though he's won events, he continues to melt. Not down. the big ones. Yeah. Hmm. I was thinking about biggest comeback. Obvious one comes to mind: the Greek match, 2004. Yeah. Over down two sets to one, 2012 in the fourth, in front of the Greek home fans. Came back to put them out of the tournament because it was quarterfinals. Hmm. I think that would be similar to the Bruins. Yeah. I was trying to think of another comeback like that. If we had a big comeback in an NCAA final like that, going five, Texas uh, and Penn State was back and forth. USC, Hawaii. USC in 80. Lawrence Holm match. Somebody help me with the year. USC what? USC, Lawrence Holm. I'm going to. Do a little... Uh, Lawrence Hom. Is that some sort of artist? No, that's the guy's name. <laughs> um, let me see if I can figure out when... He was from North Torrance High, here, right right up the street here. Uh, I believe he still works there, coaching the, the team. And 1988 finals. Trojans were down two games to zero. And this is side-out scoring. They subbed Lawrence Hom in. What, uh, 1989? 1988. 88? Yes. Men's? Men's. Okay. And then the Trojans came back and won in five. Wow. Lawrence Holmes substituted in and game. I'm not sure who they played. Somebody's probably helping me on the Bruins. Yeah, good call, Cam. Always UCLA. Lawrence um, Holmes. Lawrence Holm, H-O-M. Famous Lawrence Holm match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's, I mean, I think that's probably there you go. pretty close, right? They're down two games to zero in, in the finals. What about UCLA-Hawaii at Pauly in 1997? Was that 2-1 or was that 2-0? 97. Where, yep, 97. What happened in 97? It was Hawaii versus UCLA in the finals. Yuval Kotz, Jason Ring, Sivan Leone. 
uh, Stein Metzger, Paul Neapoli. Hawaii was is the, the number one all year because Yuval Katz was 29 years old. He was unbelievable. Had played he? 10 years professionally and then decided to play college. He was unreal. Kurt Vaughn on that team too? I don't know I if Vaughn is on that team. I think he's on the team later with Stanley. Um, I, I don't know if they're I leading 97, two sets to one. I thought 97 was Furbringer, Stanford. That's nine, oh, oh, Furbringer. So you're right. 96 is 96. what I'm thinking of. Yeah, 96. Okay. Mike Cantor on that team? Do you know Mike Cantor, local guy? Name sounds familiar. Yeah. Went to St. Bernard's. But you see Scott? a big comeback there. No, I think Sean Scott's later. Okay. Maybe. UCLA came back and won that or lost? Won at Pauly. Finals at Pauly. That was on the deuce. Probably. That was like in the early days of the deuce when it was extreme. BMX. You you would be on the deuce right now. You'd be on motocross. would be all over ESPN2. It used to be on ESPN2. I've yeah. seen a lot of stuff from that era yeah, see, when they were broadcasting. When it was yeah. cool and it was awesome. Yeah, now it's just college. Well, they have ESPNU also, which is crazy. The, the U is weird, though. It should just be called ESPN3. I think the U has never been a completed idea because it used to be college sports and the, you know university. This was supposed to be ESPN University. Right. And then it started showing other random things, and I just don't think they could ever truly clarify what it was. All right, let's bring in, uh, let's bring in our guy here. We got our guy in? We got He's our guy. He's back in Happy Valley? He is. I think he's back at Happy Valley. <coughs> Instead of being in studio, I really wish he was in studio again, but he is not. Welcome. You, you have intro music for him? No, because he, he just he's just part of the show. <laughs> I don't have intro music for me. Oh uh, yeah, you do. Well, the, the whole intro. But yeah. Jay Hosick, are you there, gentlemen? Yeah, I, I, I would like some intro music, not because I feel like I deserve it, but I think it'd be kind of cool that. When I give a call in or when I'm in studio, like it's just you know it's a whole other level of, of performance. So I'll have, to, I'll have to get with Jeremy on that and see what we can come up with. How you guys doing? I'll tell you what. Can I do the show every week from afar? Can we work something out where maybe I do a little video chat call in and I can see you guys in studio while I'm in the office? Is there a way to work this out? Maybe. Welcome to the Jay Hasek Lounge, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's cool and it's smooth and there's food all the time. It's like you, uh, it's like you identify Jay with this with this music. So whenever it's like that's that's Jay Hasek's music. He's like the Undertaker or something. <laughs> that's right. He's got to come out to the theme song. It's like Wild Thing or something, right? Delton, I'm I'm super stoked you're on the show, but also super sad. That means another week without a job. Are, are we getting any leads, man? What's going on? Yeah, I appreciate that, Jay. I am interviewing like crazy. Uh, I, I know one thing's for sure, that when I get picked up from my free agency, somebody is going to be so surprised at how everyone else missed out on me. I'm going to rock something and crush whatever <laughs> what, job I get to. That should be did my... You ever, my did, did you guys see that Facebook post that somebody wrote, uh, a lot of kids, or my mom uh, gave birth to a legend or something like that? There was something going around on Facebook about that. That could be your post. There sure. you go. Yeah, it's, things are happening. It will be like when I went back for my high school Hall of Fame induction and the basketball coach whose first year was my senior year, and he was just retiring that year, he said, uh, man, how did we miss you for basketball? I said, you didn't. You cut me. <laughs> did you really I cried. It, I cried. It was sad. <laughs> Your life could have been completely different if you would have excelled at basketball and been, and been kept on that team. Yeah, I'd have a much bigger house. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Wait, before we get into it, Jay, what, what's it like being – are you back in Happy Valley now? I mean, you left the West Coast. It's gorgeous here right now. 
It was raining when I, you were, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you know, actually I did. I got back, uh, went away for the weekend to visit some friends in Boston. I'm back here now. It's partly sunny. It's about 60 degrees. It's it's really, really nice. I'm not complaining. It's beautiful out here. Thank you to the Al Roker portion of the show. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and now for the weather area. in your area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Jay, we wanted to bring you back to We wanted to go a little more in-depth with some of these guys that we're going to be seeing on this national team roster, and a few of them, because I've been only in touch with the college game a bit up until this year, and I, I don't know that a lot of people have really watched the college game closely, and we're going to start to see a lot of those college players getting some serious playing time here. Uh, and right. I know you have a variety of different touches with the men's game and the men's team. So we'll just run down the list here. Uh, Matt Anderson, I don't know what more we need to say about Matt Anderson. Uh, yeah. Player of the year last year, had a fantastic Olympics, kind of a coming out party for the 6'10" player out of Penn State? Well, I mean, I think it goes without saying people are looking at him as being the number one uh, candidate for the uh, first starting spot for for the next squad. You know, and, and let me let me just, you know, give a caveat here. By no means am I saying I have insider information. Do I talk with Spira and Furbringer about what they're going to do and who I think they should play? This is merely my take on these kids and what, what I think their prospects are and how good I thought they were in college. So we'll start with Anderson. Obviously, you know, played pretty well this last Olympics. I think he's got a bright future. Uh, I think he'll be the, a, a go-to guy for them in the next Olympics. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's about all you need to say about him. He'll, he'll do well. He's going to be the man. He's going to be on the floor. You're going to see a lot of Matt Anderson, and we hope his development, at least I hope his development continues along the path he's been on for the last couple of years, not the first couple of years. All right, number yeah, two. And, and, yeah, number two. Jeff Menzel. Menzel? Menzel, six foot six outside hitter, jumps about sixty five inches. I think uh, it's actually sixty seven as of last week. Can he pass? Can he do the other things well enough uh, to keep his physical self on the court? Well, I think there's a couple of things about him that that really uh, I think give some opportunities for this team. First of all, you, you've heard Spira talk about running a four or a three pin offense and. It's not necessarily an outside or an opposite. It's kind of just all pin hitters. And Jeff can hit really well from both sides. I think he played opposite this last year in his pro team. Uh, I don't know how much passing reps he got. I think if you were to look at him in in terms of an overall position, I I think at the moment, if I'm doing it, it's kind of a utility spot. I don't think he's necessarily an outside. I don't think he's necessarily an opposite. I think you let him get reps at both and kind of see where he develops the most. He's obviously got the ability to jump well. We obviously need somebody who can block well on that right side against the big left hitters who get a majority of the swings. I think he could be an intriguing uh, candidate for the future. I'm just not sure which position he's going to go into yet. Is he a good right side blocker? Is that what I just heard? I think I think he can be. Uh, you know, I mean, if blocking is one of those skills, and, and, and this is my take on it, there are some people that are born with just the ability to, to get to the right spot and put their hands in the right spot. Blocking could touch the kill. And for those of you that know the game, it's not a skill that you get a ton of successful blocks on. I mean, you, 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 what is the average team average? What, two to three blocks per game? Uh, and so it's not like you're getting transition swings, you know, 20, 30 times in a, in a in a game, it's, it's you're kind of you're hoping and praying that you either channel the block, you slow the block down, or you stuff block him. And so, I think he has potential. Uh, I definitely would like to see him in the gym for the next few years and see how he develops. He needs some he needs some coaching. Let's see what he can do. 
Hey, Jay, uh, this is Dustin again. I, I know yeah. I'm kind of going backwards, but did you coach Matt Anderson when he was at Penn State? Were you there at the same time? I imagine you were. No, no, actually I oh. did not. I came in in the fall of '09, uh, and he had already left to go pro, unfortunately. So, uh, no, I missed him. Okay, I was I was just wondering where I was getting was that, and maybe you talked to Pav about it or, or some of the other guys that were there. Is I wonder if they saw something, or if you ran across him, you know, at the at the juniors or youth level, and saw something and knew that he would be kind of where he is today, at least with the expectations. Well, I think I think every coach looks at the kid and, and says, "Hey, there's some opportunity here." One of the things I think a lot of coaches do is they, at least in the men's side, I'm not so sure about the women's side, but if you get a kid who has some athleticism uh, and shows some promise, maybe at a pin position, maybe he's an okay passer, maybe he's got natural skill. I think it does the kid a disservice, especially when they're coming in as a freshman, to say you are only going to play this position. For example, we have kids coming in now that are middle blockers and maybe their club or their high school teams. But we're looking at him going, hey, you know what, we're going to give you a year. We're going to throw you in the mix a little bit, let you get some passing reps, see how you develop. If the kid shows some promise, I don't know many coaches that they're going to turn down a 6'7 or 6'8 outside hitter. And I believe Matt Anderson was an opposite when he came in, or he played some opposite. And so, you know, he got some passing reps, and he developed and panned out pretty nicely. So I think I think the men's game does a really nice job of this. A lot of coaches, especially in the club levels, are starting to figure out that, if I just tell a kid you only get one shot at one position and another club is saying, hey, we're going to let you play everything and get you some reps in all positions, I think that's going to become more attractive, and I think good coaches are doing that. All right, Jeff Menzel. So we'll see what he can do on the outside hitter position or at the opposite spot. I think he could be an intriguing opposite when it comes to his physical ability. Walking on the right, a different game, though, for sure. I remember I could, yeah. I could, I was serviceable on the left. I could not block on the right to save my life, even though I could hit it's over the, there, no problem. It's the backwards right. footwork too that takes a while to get used to. Evan Paddock. Speaking of opposite, six foot eight, Evan Paddock, uh, in uh, with a few years' experience on the national team, been called Clay Junior, Clay Light. He uh, is a big also guy. Called I used Tank. Barber. Huh? Yeah, he's also known as Tank. Um, Tank. Yep. He, you know, I saw him last week. He thinned out a little bit. He's not nearly as big as he used to be. I think that's a product of his professional development as an athlete. Uh, I think he's figuring out his nutrition, and I think he's. You know, he's, he's just one of those kids that, man, if you look at him, if you look at him hold the ball, it looks almost like a softball in his hands. That's how big the kid was. And, I, you know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, he, he should have kind of figured it out by now and his consistency is not there. And, and, and I, I beg to differ a little bit. I think he's got a real nice serve. I think there are days that he looks phenomenal. And I think there are days that he kind of looks like he can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag. And I think a lot of players have that. I don't think it's just necessarily him. But I think these last couple of years of playing professionally have really kind of opened his eyes to a different facet of his game. And I, I think he's got a bright future with the team. I think he's that guy that they look at and say, look, you know, we, we got Clay Stanley. We got some young kids in the group. I definitely think he's got to be towards the top part of that mix of the younger guys. That's my, that's my take on him. All right, so Evan Paddock going to get a shot here. He's either going to take advantage yeah. or not. David Lee. David Lee, middle yeah. blocker, gold medalist, Long Beach State. Uh, I'd like to see Lee's offense come back. I think that's a, a function of the setting. Um, well, and if he's not the offensive weapon, then he's definitely the M2 where he's getting more of the blocking reps. Um, 
Dave, I, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that you're putting Dave Lee in this young uh, group category, uh, but I'm just but going through the list. I'm just going. Oh, you're just going through the list. Oh, I like it. D. Lee, uh, what, what can you not say about D. Lee? I think one of the best blockers, uh, obviously, in the, on our team, and, and I think in the world he's got to be somewhere ranked up there pretty high. The guy just has the ability to really move quickly, pin to pin, and he reads the game well. He plays the game within the game. I, I remember watching him. He would stand in, in, in a position, a starting position, and a couple things could happen, you know, d- depending on the pass. But he would throw an arm out. He'd make a, a fake step. He'd do things that would make the setter think he was seeing something, and D. Lee would just automatically be reading it much faster than the setter said it and would be in front of the guy uh, in no time. I, 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 I don't know how you don't make him a starter in the next squad. He is that good. Remarkable blocker. Hopefully he stays healthy. Rich Lamborn at Libero. Still. Still. I don't know what more we can say about Rich. I mean, he looks like an NFL running back, but uh, we'll have to see if he can maintain his position. I don't I don't know what else we need to say about Rich uh, other than he's been getting it done for a while now. Well, what's funny is you say he looks like an NFL running back. He used to look like an NFL linebacker. He's actually thinned down a little bit, if you ask me. Uh, Rich is one of those guys, I think in that position, experience is the key. And, you know, obviously he's been well-trained. He knows how to how to pass well. He's got good platform. He, you know, I'm not so sure about his hands, but um, he, that doesn't matter. That's, that's not a fast side of the game. He's got a good forearm passing platform. He knows what to expect. He knows players' tendencies. He knows how to travel well. He knows how to, you know, prepare for matches. Rich is just one of those guys that, knows how to get done. And I, and I I know that there are a few other liberos in the GM, Watton and and, uh, and uh, my boy uh, uh, Alfie. But uh, I think right now he's probably the guy to – it's his job to lose. All right. So Paul Lottman, outside hitter out of Long Beach State. Lottman, an Olympian, last guy selected in 2012. And word has it from overseas that he's kind of had an up-and-down year there in Poland. And we've never really seen Lottman – for an extended period of time. He's been pretty much a serving sub. Does he get yeah, an opportunity he, this year to be more? You know, Paul was an assistant coach of mine on the club team years ago, and when he was in college, he was a walk-on uh, at Long Beach State. And over the course of his career, uh, just you know, elevated the game, uh, and towards the end of it was a starter and, and did some really nice things. And then you get to the international level, and you know, he probably wasn't highly touted coming out of college and probably played in some small leagues and, and kind of worked his way up. And, you know, now he's the last selected in the, on the team for the last Olympics. And, and I think Paul's moniker, I don't want to say he's a late bloomer because that makes it sound like, you know, it's out of his control. But I think people overlook him because he's not that fiery guy in the gym. He's not the guy that you're going to look at in warm-ups and go, that's the guy i got to have playing for me. But he's just a nice, consistent player. I think they kept him because he had a really nice jump serve. Um, and I know that he had – up and down swings during the during the World League season. So, Paul, uh, I think he has now that experience of been there, done that. I, I'm not so pie-eyed in the sky that it's going to all kind of overwhelm me. I, I think he could surprise some people. I'm not sure where he fits in the outside hitter mix. It all depends on you know whether or not Reed, Reed Pretty comes back or, or some of the other guys come back. Rooney comes back. But I think he could surprise some people. And I and I and he's also thinned out a little bit. Professionalism. I, you can probably attest to this more than anybody, Kevin. When you're in college, 
you know, there's a lot of late night partying. There's a lot of drinking, a lot of, a lot of pizzas at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of guys tend to bulk up, let's say, uh, and, and maybe not for the right reasons. But then they get a chance to go professional, and you start to see how professional athletes treat their bodies and how they get rest and how they take care of themselves. And a lot of these guys come back, and they're just a different person. And We've had a couple of them come back in our gym, and they all say the same thing, that the, one of the number one things that they wish they could have done differently was the nutrition that they put in their bodies. And I think Paul is one of those guys as well that that served him well. All right, Kavika Shoji, sitter, six foot three, out of Hawaii and Stanford. Well, this is kind of the the long-awaited arrival, and he steps into a situation where there is a lot of opening at setter, and there's quite a few new names at setter. Kavika Shoji, how much chance does he have here? I think he's got just as good as anybody. You know, the thing about the Shoji is that, and I think we talked about it a little bit last week, Dustin, you were mentioning the Hawaii guys. The thing that the Shoji's have, and, uh, you know, that everybody else wants to have is that they were just beat up on from a very young age from all the guys that played around them. And, and those guys have been battle-tested. You know, Kavika and, and, uh, came up through that worst-to-first group in years. We know where, where uh, Al Rodriguez was there, and, and they were just, you know, they were last place in the MPSF, and they – and he yep. worked with them, he worked with them. The next thing you know, they win in 2010. And we were a product of that. We were in the finals against them. And I'm, I'll tell you what, the way he runs his offense, uh, the way he drives the bus on his team, his mentality on the court, he's just a fiery competitor. But it doesn't seem that it overwhelms him and he lets it get away from himself. He has a composure on the court that you just you want to play hard for. And I've seen his progress over the years. Uh, over the year, I've watched some pro matches on, on Loyola TV and uh, not Loyola TV, Loyola TV, a much different one. And, uh, you know, the kid, has, he's gotten better. His location is better. His tempo is better. He, I, I tell you what, he has got to be a top three candidate if you ask me. But that's obviously my, my opinion, and it's very early in the squad. But I sure like his prospects for the future, that's for sure. All right. Good to know. How about Kyle Caldwell? Another setter. This guy out of UCLA. Sparrow liked him a lot for the Pan Am. Sparrow liked him a lot, uh, and I know he brought him on that Pan Am team uh, a couple years ago, and he did some nice things from there. I think the thing that he does that obviously nobody else does uh, is he is a 6'9 lefty. And when you're an offensive weapon, it's one thing to be an offensive weapon when you're right-handed in your setting. It's another thing to be an offensive weapon and have to be your left hand for obvious reasons. I think he poses some problems. Uh, for, for swingers on the outside because he's, he's got a nice block. He's up high. I'm not so sure about his mobility. Uh, maybe he's working on that. Maybe he's not. I'm not in the gym, but I, I think that was the question before. But I tell you what, 6'9", uh, you can't coach. And I'd be interested to see where he goes. I mean, the other challenge that you face is that you're going to have some middles that, uh, you know, uh, when you work with a taller setter, if you're jumping, if if you're a setter that high and you're jumping full 100% every time you take a ball, it's real tough for a middle to be up at that time with you and be able to make connections. So that could pose a problem. But other than that, I I, I think he's in the mix. I'm not sure where he where he pans out. Number nine, Murphy Troy, not Troy Murphy, at opposite six foot eight. And Dustin's been waiting for these next two names because it's a bunch of USC talk <laughs> right now. Dustin, take it away with Jay. Murphy Troy. Go ahead, Dustin. Uh. I mean, I haven't. Murph was what player of the year two years ago. Big physical opposite. I know that the national team has an opening or, or some openings 
behind Clay at opposite there. I think John Spira shared as much as he was looking at a lot of those guys. Murph's been playing in Italy, I believe, and, and doing pretty well from what I hear. But I never was on the court against him um, for too long, let alone the alumni game when I just went running. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I got to see a lot of him <clears throat> from the sidelines doing doing announcing, and he seemed to be, you know, he was the guy at least in NC2As for a couple of years, that everyone knew, everyone in the gym knew where the ball was going, and he still put it away. Uh, Jay, what do you think about him? Uh, another one of the guys that has uh, learned how to be a professional athlete. He is not nearly as big as he used to be. He's a little bit more lean, uh, but a little bit more uh, tone and, 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 and player apt, I guess is the best way to put it. I think he's going to. I think at the, at the international level for him, it's going to take him another couple of years. Um, I, he's a very nice player, and I'm, I'm not taking anything away from him. But I think you've got a couple of guys ahead of you that have some international experience uh, for a number of years, um, and I think he's probably number three or four right now on that side. Uh, granted, we're at a time where you know we've been talking about a lot. Sparrow's going to give a lot of people a lot of time to develop and see where they fall. So, you know, if the Olympics were this year, I'd say, hey, give it a shot next time around. If, if Since it's four years away, we'll see how it develops. But I think right now he's probably number three or four. All right, Murphy Troy, not Troy Murphy. No, and one thing that I always thought about Murph was he's smart. Well, yeah, yeah but he super didn't. Super intelligent. I mean, he hit a heavy ball, but yep. I always I, – I never saw him and goes, oh, this guy's going to dominate at the international level. He, he was a great player in collegiate, and, and I agree with Jay that – Maybe he just needs a couple of more years, but I haven't been able to see him since he's been playing in Italy, so I don't know what he's acquired as a professional. Hopefully we get a look at him this summer. All right, next up, Tony Ciarelli. Tony Ciarelli. Go ahead, Dustin. Interesting. I mean, Tony. Big physical kid, right? Big physical kid. Six foot six. Rips, rips jump serves, loves hitting the bick, loves tempo sets. Um, you know, a lot quicker than than say those those high balls of the old days. I know everybody's running them. Um, I, I imagine that uh, Choji is pretty adept at them as well. Obviously, born and bred from a volleyball family. Not sure where his head lies in terms of the beach versus indoor, because I have seen him on the beach playing uh, not only in the, like the the Wugs, but with some of the the guys that maybe lost a partner internationally, like the Lucenas of the world down in in Hermosa and training, but. Um, you know, I, I'm interested to see kind of what he chooses to do. He definitely carried a USC team a couple seasons ago that was not expected to do as well as they did, and an, another player of the year. I, I, you know, I just I think you nailed it right on the head. You have a USC team that last year, for all intents and purposes, had a, a few nice players, but the two key players obviously were Micah and, and Tony. And yep. you make it all the way to the finals, and basically, you know, Micah said, hey, Tony, we're settling you up and we're riding you all the way. And Tony did a nice job. And then, obviously, you don't have that guy this year, and you don't even make the playoffs. And that's, right. that says something. So I, I think Tony's future is bright no matter where he goes. I would also agree that the rumor is that he went out overseas to go play Something happened. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what it is, so I'm not going to speculate, but he decided to leave, came back home, and, and from my uh, the, the, the people that I know out there all said that he was just going to focus on beach. Uh, but <laughs> I walked into the national team gym the other day, and there he is. And he's getting reps, and he's playing, and he's practicing. And, you know, you're right. He runs a very fast, I think almost a, I think it's a third tempo to the pin. That's really fast. 
Uh, and obviously he runs the Bic well, and that's something that Spiral likes to run a lot of, and I think that fits well in his system. And, you know, I, I, I tell you what, you could do a lot worse. Um, I think, to be honest with you, internationally, indoor, he's got another three or four years. Um, I think he's a nice guy to have in the gym now. I'm just not so sure that he can carry the load at that level against the A1 teams across the world. But I think he's got a bright future if he wants to continue pursuing it and put his heart into it. Either way, he's going to do fine. He'll he'll have a nice career on the beach if he wants to go there too. Nice career on the beach, and then he'll have to go work for another 30 years, at least if things continue (laughs) the way they have so far for a lot of the beach players. All right, third setter on the roster so far, Brian Thornton. A little bit of experience a uh, year leading up to the Olympic Games, uh, anointed the starter for some time, but then lost that position and did not end up uh, starting. So Brian Thornton out of UC Irvine, now his former head coach, back in the head coach position. Thorny is uh, a real student of the game. If, if you sit down and chat with him for a little bit, he really sees the game at a, at a, at a high level. I believe... You know, if you talk to Sparrow about him, he'll say one of the one of the one of Tony's best assets is that it's almost like talking to another coach when you're chatting with him about you know what you want to run and what my kind of schemes you got going on in the gym. The challenge, obviously, always has been his blocking, but I'm not so sure that that's the biggest liability uh, on the court for for USA. I think you know some other things that that maybe could be issues, but. Thorny has one of the fastest releases I've ever seen. Uh, and he's trying to connect with Torelli, and there's almost times that he's too fast for Tony, and I, I almost thought that that couldn't happen. But Thorny's got a real nice ability to, to disguise his sets. Uh, you're almost always guessing or just straight reading. You can't really get a read on him early. Um, you know, and he also has that Paul Lottman been there, done that. You know, he may not have got a, a ton of playing time in the last few years with the USA, but he definitely knows the game at a high level, and he's gotten reps in the gym. I, I think with the other setters right now, experience is, in, is probably his biggest asset. We'll see how the other setters progress. There's a couple others in the gym that, that maybe have some bright features too. But I'll tell you what, Thorny, if Thorny does not make this team, I would not be surprised to see him coaching in some capacity, either with USA or with the collegiate team. The, the guy, the guy just knows how to to, to do it well, and, and I'm I'm excited for his future, whether on the court or off. Russ Holmes, middle blocker, uh, one of the steady presence in the last couple of years, really kind of come into his own out of BYU. Yeah, Russell Holmes. When I first got with Team USA back in the mid 2000s, he was a new guy in the gym. Uh, you know, kind of looked like he was just kind of figuring his way out and, and, and trying to figure out how to be a professional volleyball player overseas and, you know, figuring out his personal life and just, you know, kind of being like most kids out of college. And, and next thing you know, the, the kid just really has progressed to be a nice player for Team USA. Hits a nice high ball. He's up quick. Um, he reads read the, the, the offense well on the other side. I think you've got to put him in the top three or four right now in the gym in the middle. Uh, and I think because he's a little younger than some of the other guys, he might have a little bit of gas left in the tank more than the other ones. So I like his future. I think he's got some I think he's got some real possibilities for us. All right, we got about five, six minutes here. We still have a few guys to go. Matt Ross and middle blocker out of Hawaii. Yeah, Miracosta kid. Uh, you know what? He looks strong. He looks healthy. He looks focused. Um, I I haven't seen much of him playing recently, so I can't comment too much, but I know when he was in college, the kid was a beast, and they called him Dragon out there in Hawaii, and, and that was his nickname. And for all intents and purposes, it's probably pretty correct. If you're not careful, he can bite you. So I, 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 think, he's, I think he's got 
another quad to go. But I think some training in the right gyms, he could be real good for us. Wait, the dra- I don't worry about dragons biting me. Usually that's like a dog thing. I, dragons, I worry about fire. Uh, okay, Ryan Ammerman, setter, another UC Irvine product. He's been playing a few years internationally, and another big guy, six foot eight. Yeah, uh, and honestly, won a national championship for UCI. I think Ryan's another one of those kids that you give him another few years of the international game. I think he came in maybe a little bit. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He probably came in probably just kind of figuring I'm just going to get some training and go back overseas and, and play better for my pro team. But with Spira behind the helm now, and I think uh, you know some UCI guys in there that know his systems, I think he could he could do pretty well. It'd be interesting to see if his body can handle it. He's a little thin. He needs to put on a little bit more weight, but uh, if he can hack that physically, I think he'll be nice. All right, Carson Clark. Uh, maybe Ammerman will return that wetsuit he borrowed from me a few years ago, too. Carson <laughs> Clark. So wait, you, had a wet, you loaned a wetsuit to Ammerman? I'm surprised he wasn't swimming in that thing. Well, yeah. he Well, he actually was swimming in it. That's what they're for, Jay. I know you live in Happy uh, Valley. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Come on. All right. Who do we got? Carson Clark. Yep, opposite six foot eight. He's back. The lefty uh, had a good World Championships 2010. Made the team. Went to school late. That kind of stuff. Haven't heard much from Carson Clark lately. Well, I tell you what. Also, he has going for him. He was another one of those candidates that was going to leave his senior year from Irvine um, and and go play professionally, kind of like what Matt Anderson did. And, and from my from my understanding, you know, Spraw talked to him, said, "Hey, I got this nice kid coming in, and Kevin Tilly." Uh, we could have a real shot of repeating here or getting a title while you're here again. And, and he said, yeah, I'll stay. And sure enough, they won the title and everything was good. Carson's a nice player. Lefty, is he really 6'8"? I thought he was more like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, it might matter. be his roster height. He's like Barkley. Barkley's not anywhere near. His, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not the world's best judge, judge of height. But that being said, um, you know what? I, I think he's probably going to be a player in the future for USA. I think he's going to be real nice these next few years. Where I'm going to put him in number in the top three. Let's just put him in the top three for opposites. I think physically he's going to bulk up a little bit and become a little bit stronger. But a real nice kid, knows the game well, and blocks well on that side too, and that's a huge thing. Another UC Irvine guy, boy, they're proliferating here on the roster. Jason Jablonski, six foot five, outside hitter. Guy has been around for a little while, but haven't really seen much of him when it comes to actual competition. Yeah, and one of the nicest kids you'll ever meet. Jablonski's a nice kid. Um, boy, you know what? I haven't seen him play this last year either. I know when he came in a couple of years ago and I was there, he was kind of figuring everything out, learning the systems, and, and uh, you know, he was just kind of kind of just green. You know, he's just wet behind the ears. And I think he's another one of those kids that uh, it may surprise some people. I'm not so sure he makes the roster for the next Olympics, but I think he's going to be a great kid in the gym. And who knows, maybe after that, because he'll be at that age where, you know, have some years under his belt internationally and maybe figure some things out. But, uh, yeah, I, I like him in the gym. Let's put it that way. All right, Max Holt, big physical specimen out of Penn State a few years ago, played in Italy, team finished second. Holt seems like a kid that's just massive side I tell you what, he jumps really well. Max Holt's probably in the top three for middles. Uh, I think you'll see him in the next quad uh, without question. Uh, he's just he's improved every year he's gone out there, and I think he was a little disappointed this last Olympics he didn't get a shot. But I think I think that is going to motivate him to become a better player, and I think they're they're going to be real excited to have him be a part of the program for the next four years. So uh, I like Max Max's chances for sure. All right, Garrett M., because we can't say his last name, Muagatutia. 
Malakatudia. Uh, you know what? When when Garrett played club, he played with uh, Chase Budinger, I believe, back in the day. Um, and uh, he's one of those one of those kids who maybe wasn't the most mobile uh, when he was in college, but uh, a real nice, solid player. Typical Hawaiian kind of laid back attitude, where you just you know things are just flowing and you're having a good time and. You know, if you wake him up a little bit, he, he definitely can light you up on the other side of the court. I think Garrett, um, I'm not so sure about his prospects starting on the national team for most uh, for most of this quad, but I do think he's going to get some nice training. I think if he decides to go back overseas and play, I think he's got a nice future there. We'll see. I, I, I don't have him in my top four on the outside, but that, that doesn't mean that, you know, it won't happen for him. But a super nice kid, works hard, good teammate, uh, yeah. That's Garrett. All right. Chase Budinger has that bigger house that we were talking about earlier that I would have had. Uh, <laughs> Alfie Ref, Libero, five foot ten, uh, Quite a bit of experience in the USA gym, but we've only seen him sporadically. Does he finally get a chance at more full-time playing? Well, you know, and he, he took some time off to go coach. He went to Minnesota to go work with Hugh and the, and, uh, and the Minnesota team over there before Hugh got there. Um, I, from my understanding, Alfie has is, is kind of rededicated himself to playing. And I'll tell you what, Rich and him, are the, I think, are the top two liberos right now. Alfie's got an amazingly good platform. He's super quick. He reads the game well. He's got good hands. He's a good teammate. Um, you know, I think I think it, it's going to come down to him and Rich, and I'm not sure about the numbers because I don't see them in front of me, but those are my top two right now uh, as we speak. All right, Matt Gardhoff looking for a collage assistant. Matt, all you have to do is put a birthday cake in the NetLive logo. That will do for today. Nothing uh, <laughs> nothing too exciting. All right, David Smith, the guy who uh, really surged towards the Olympics, and, and maybe, maybe David Smith uh, gets a shot at starting. Again, another anteater. Shocking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what a great story as well. We all know David Smith. Uh, born without hearing and, and, and comes through the ranks and, and, you know, gets a chance to go to UC Irvine and wins a title with them and just a real nice young man. And, you know, I think David Smith was a surprise for a lot of people, but I don't think it surprised them when they saw him play. And, you know, they, they say that when you've lost some senses that your other senses pick up. And his vision is really good. He's really quick and up in the air in front of the setters. And he's just, he does a lot of things away from the ball that I think a lot of coaches like. And so, obviously, Sparrow knows him, knows his strengths and weaknesses, and I think he's, he's going to be in the mix uh, for the next quad. That would be my guess. A little smaller, but nonetheless, still a good little player, and I, and I, I would not be surprised to see him in the next quad on the roster. Brad Lawson, outside hitter from Stanford and also out of Hawaii, uh, is he not a nice young man? <laughs> uh, you know what? Actually, no, he is uh, also a very nice young man. Did you hear the, the line that he hit against us in the 2010? He had one error. I think he hit something like 920 or 880 or some ungodly number. And when he had his footfall in the finals against us, Pab actually stood up and looked at the down ref and said, really, can we not just give the kid the, the kill anyways? Because he was just a real nice player for them. Uh, Lawson, I thought, from my understanding, he went overseas and played, but I heard he was going to stop playing. Uh, and so when I walked in the gym and saw him the other day, it was a nice surprise. Um, he's getting better. He's faster. He's, he's just he's just a steady player. I'm, I'm not sure where he fits in the mix right now, but I do know that uh, he's working in the gym, and, he's, and you know, he's one of those kids that uh, also being from Hawaii, 
has learned a game from a very young age from a lot of kids that beat up on him. And so I, I, I like, I would not be surprised to see a Shoji libero, a Shoji setter, and uh, a Lawson Rawson duo on the, in the pin in the middle. And you know, for for an upcoming quad in the future, there's some Hawaii potential there. All right, there's your your next player, the last one, Shoji, the, uh, Shoji. the Eric this time at the libero position. Uh, I think out of the, the three or four that you have in there with Alfie and Rich uh, and Watton, uh, Shoji is fighting for number three or four right now uh, just because only inexperience uh, at the upper levels. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have a, a bright future with Team USA. Shoji just seems to see the game at a different level, and he puts himself in positions where the ball will just hit him. Uh, and, you know, he's got obviously the bloodlines and, and, and has learned a game from probably the time that he was wearing diapers. Real nice kid, uh, right future, probably not for this quad, but for future quads he'll definitely be in the hunt, and I would not be surprised to see him in the Olympics maybe in 2020. All right. Jay Hasek with a complete rundown of the U.S. Men's World League roster. There's your potential players that you will see during the events in Wichita, Reno, and Tulsa. That was comprehensive. By the way, if anybody is upset or disappointed with the things I said, please send all hate mail to Kevin Barnett. That's right. He usually gets it, so I'm good at responding to it. Thank you very much. All right, Jay. Thanks, yeah. dude. Appreciate it. We'll talk all to right, you again. All right, guys. Have a good one. Enjoy the sunshine, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Jay, Jay Hasek. Yeah. Check it out from Happy Valley. Brad Lawson, by the way, hit 821. <clears throat> 821, that, that'll that do. Much, I think he's 23 for 24. Woo! Yeah, something like that. That'll do. Well, there's your complete rundown. It's going to be a good season. I'm excited. I'm excited to see who makes the rosters each week. I'm excited to see how they play. And my expectations for the overall performance of the team are not that high as far as victories go. But as far as learning, I expect to see some guys learning some stuff and getting better. I'm I'm glad that he did that because a lot of the guys I'm – I'm a little bit more – in the know now because of the college games that I've been able to attend yeah. and broadcast. But a lot of times I don't know anything about these guys. And so that was really helpful. Hopefully that helped the listeners and the podcasters as well to figure out who these guys are. Now, how does this, this roster that, that they released for world league uh, turn into the Olympic roster? Could it be 100% different? Is there, are there Oh yeah. Components? It's just a selection. Has nothing of, to do with it. nothing. Nothing. The Olympic roster is not selected till about six weeks out from the Olympics. Okay. And in case, actually, what has to be submitted is a list like this because this is a list, right? You don't have to submit your actual roster for each each event until just before uh, whoever you travel. But and the and the rules have varied over the years as well as to when things are submitted, how many players are on what's called an O2 roster, which is like your eligible players. So there's always an eligible and then a smaller list and then the actual players you take. Uh, and then none of that happens for the Olympics for a very long time. And we're talking about 2016, so, I mean, there could be... It won't happen until the middle of 2016. Yeah, there could be kids that are either young in college right now or maybe even in... Mike Christensen? ...high school that are participating either on the men's or the women's level. Not potentially. Potentially. No one's going from high school to the Olympics. No. No. Not happening. Okay, fine. <laughs> And you know why? Because the the game is too technical, I think, and too interrelated. You have to spend a lot of time in the gym with your teammates in this sport, more so than the individual aspect of basketball. Yeah. And even then, it's hard. You have to have a, a once-in-a-generation type player like LeBron James that Wiggins or Kobe guy, Bryant. Uh, or not, not once-in-a-generation, but I guess five times in a generation, Kevin Garnett or whatever. Yeah, Wiggins committed to Kansas. 
Kansas. Kansas is where he decided to go. So he'll be there one year, and then he'll be in the NBA. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when these coaches are accepting the one and dones. It's kind of known, right, that some coaches will allow you to come for a year, and they don't care. They'll give you the opportunity, and then others, I think, have more of a stay, get your degree, that sort of thing. Um, also just saw that the six-man is on this summer. It's going to be a Wednesday, Thursday again. Which means no one will care. July 31st and August 1st, public service announcement. It's out there. Awesome. So if you want to take your vacation and come down, dress up like a goof, play some volleyball and drink. The best tournament How ever. How about they made it a Wednesday, Ruben. Thursday? They couldn't even make it like a Thursday, Friday. They're no. really scared. They really are. They are really scared over there. Yeah, it's it's in my mind, it's it's. I'm surprised they had it again this year. I thought that last year was going to be the just end of it. stop it. it. So. Yeah, if you're going to run a Wednesday, Thursday big tournament... You should just find some other tournament. It was the greatest thing of all time, but now it's not. No, it's not. And there's a lot of competing tournaments out there like SmackFest and those sorts of things, too. I saw on AVP.com, by the way, that they added an event, not not a a competitive event for the pros, but they're calling it AVP All-Stars in Vail. Have you seen or heard about this? I would suspect that would have something to do with Leon Fell. Okay. Well, there's a King of the Mountain open on Father's Day weekend, and apparently there's some participation of AVP players, meet and greets, exhibition matches, and a concert. So I didn't I didn't know anything about that, but I am fairly free that weekend except for um, except for uh, Father's Day. So just letting everybody know. What do you got planned for your birthday now? What are you going to do for the rest of the day? You got dinner plans, celebration. Yeah, I have uh, lunch with my uncle. Going to go eat some sushi, which I always enjoy. And then I will be having dinner with the family somewhere. I don't know where. Uh, with the boys and my mother, I believe. It's exciting. Kind of family family affair. Family day. You're not going to go out and, like Jay said, have a couple, couple brews, late night pizza, stay up till 2 in the morning. I didn't even do that in college. I've done that more after my playing career yeah. than, than in college. I didn't have the extra college weight that Jay was referring to. Yeah. That was interesting to go through that roster. I didn't – a lot of those names are familiar, but I didn't know who they are. At least they got a lot of good good kids. I think he said that about everybody. Good kid. Yeah. A nice young man. Nice young man. <laughs> I like that. No, that's the plan for the day. Just uh, a nice, relaxed birthday. Oh. Yeah. You have your golf stuff on here. It looks like you're all set. You have yeah, probably hat, NJS shirt. Probably get out on the course a little bit, knock Some it around. Plaid pants. Yeah, these are shorts. These are just my shorts. Oh, plaid shorts. Get out there and knock it around a bit. Uh, you know, try to try to spend the time. I got calls set up all week and meetings. I've actually got a call immediately after this, and then another one later today. So I'm trying to make things happen, Kevin. Just trying to make things happen to be able to afford the lifestyle I've become accustomed to. <laughs> And I can't. I can't afford it. So, Well, make the wife work. That's what's happening. Make the wife make it happen. I don't know. There's nothing else happening in the World Beach Volleyball, so we might be done with this show. That's fine. might just be a quickie. It was a good mini show, I think. Got a few people in the chat room. I was surprised. We got over 10. And, uh, you know, Jeremy Ruscha, not here. We didn't break anything yet. So that's good. He'll be happy when he comes back. We didn't play any music either. So. Yeah, we didn't play any music. That's fine. It was an acapella version of the show. <laughs> it should have been acapella. You could sing it up. Yeah. Sing us right off air. Absolutely. 
And uh, what else is going on? I mean, I can talk about what's going on in the world. I saw Mark Madsen going to be the head coach of the NBA the D-League, the Defenders. Yeah, I saw that as well. So he uh, was – I know he's an assistant at Stanford, so that's good for – you're getting birthday wishes on the on the chat room. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, look at that. A lot of love coming out of the chat ACBB room right now. and Brian. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Other than that, you know, just working, working it out. Get out there and enjoy the sunshine. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here here in Southern California. It's nice. Hopefully, it's nice where you are. I don't know if you're on the East Coast, you're getting uh, a whole bunch of cold weather, which is strange, but that's what you're getting. So, this is it. Thanks very much for tuning in to uh, the birthday episode of The Net Live. We'll be back next week with a full episode of The Net Live. Will we? Jeremy Roche will be here. Uh, I forget who we have scheduled, but we will put it up on the Facebook page. Make sure you're a fan on Facebook. Matt Gardhoff put his latest collage up there. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty funny stuff in there. <laughs> you had a Walmart greeting yeah. name tag. That was perhaps my favorite. There's a lot going on, yeah. Walmart, Walmart greeting, Casey and uh, Jake, the... <laughs> The Galifianakis, uh, <laughs> the referee. That was good. Super homerism. Yeah. <laughs> Niffin in a tent, Camp Niffin. <laughs> There's all kinds of good stuff on there, and we appreciate Matt Gardoff and what he does for our show. We appreciate you listening. Get us via iTunes. It is free. Tell your friends to subscribe for this fun little volleyball show that we like to do each week. For Dustin, I'm Kevin. We'll see you again next week with DJ Jeremy Roche and maybe Dustin, but hopefully not Dustin. See how it all works out. Here's a little Sugar Ray spinning away. Take it easy. Sugar Ray. It's from the beach, man. The beach. Great movie. We're going to watch that this afternoon. Up on a hill. Change. Don't care.